You ever heard of African black soap, by the way? I have not. It's amazing stuff. Do you have a good skincare reg- regimen? You should, because you're a fucking Nordic, and you're going to look like a saddlebag if you don't take care of your skin. You're listening to Drunk in the Style, a show featuring irreverent conversations about an assortment of topics, many of which the FCC would not deem worthy for the airwaves. I could name you a few, but I gotta get drunk and I sure do dread it cause I know just what I'm gonna do. Do you pronounce the DeVries, right? It's not DeVries, am I? No, DeVries, correct. Okay. Yep. I decided to switch it up at the last thing. Although I did like my original question, walking out onto the field, what percentage of your psyche is excitement, fear, aggression, and what else am I missing? I was trying to imagine what I was going to ask. Well, yeah, I mean – The listeners ahead, from Papa Giorgio would like to know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do, do you want me to answer right now or, sure, or do we want to wait until the – Do we – let's see. How many do you questions want to say, do I Do you want to say fuck or not fuck? <laughs> That's the difference. Fucking kill him. Yeah. Fucking kill him. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I try to keep my uh, my potty mouth down um, <laughs> when anything's done in the public, but uh, well, this, I, this, off, 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 offside, I enjoy to swear. Forty three percent. It will wash your potty mouth down. Yeah, right. <laughs> or bring it out. Yeah. <laughs> it. Uh... Right, no, tell us, tell us for the for, tell tell Papa Giorgio. <laughs> so, what <laughs> bottle of emotions did I have when I was walking out on the field? Um, well, for me, just because I didn't have ten years in the in the big leagues or anything like mm-hmm. that, um, man, pretty much every starter, every outing, it wasn't too different. Um, I know it's everything that you just explained. There's excitement, fear. Anxiety, um, elation. I, I mean, it's literally, and that's one of the things that that I tell people when they ask, especially about about younger players who really haven't had um, a track record of, of playing in big games. Because because when you're playing in the minor leagues, as you move up, uh, you know, typically outside of a, a couple locations that draw really well. Until you get to AAA, most of the stadiums that you're playing in, you know, th- there's a decent amount of fans, but there's not big crowds. You know, mm-hmm. a, um, a number of the AAA stadiums, uh, weekend or, or firework nights, you know, there's 10, 12, 15,000 people there. So we're, we're, we're starting to talk about decent-sized crowds. But um, prior to that, there's there's not that much. And when you have someone who is real young, hasn't experienced that, or, you know, for myself um, – being in college and my first outing with the Gophers, uh, this is actually kind of a, a funny story. Um, I came in, it was at the Dairy Queen Classic, so it was my freshman year, I was a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Glenn Perkins was starting the game and went six innings. We were playing, I think it was South Carolina, and they were rated, I think, in the top 10 or top 15 in the country at, at that time. Um, so Glenn started the game, did a great job, shut them out, and then I came in in relief for him. So my first outing was against a top 10, top 15 team mm-hmm. in the Dairy Queen Classic, which we usually drew really well for that. I mean, I want to say there was uh, there was 10 or 12 people, 10 or 12,000 people in the Metrodome for that. And, you know, I pitched the next three innings and, and shut them down. We, we got the win. Um, and so if you don't have that, that series of kind of buildups to the big leagues, it can be a lot of 
emotion to try and figure out how to control. And it's, it's not easy at all. And then kind of sidebar on that. Um, that was my first outing in college. And then my first win in the big leagues, I started the game. I forgot who came in right after me, but then Glenn Perkins closed out the game. And okay. so it was kind of funny yeah, how yeah, it's, it's we, symmetry and, uh, yeah. yeah. And especially okay. with Glenn being a, a first round draft pick and me not even being drafted, I would have never thought that I would have <laughs> be starting the game and he would be coming in behind me. But, um, did you give him a couple of these on the yeah, way out? Right. <laughs> if, if we have to turn the mics off for the hookers and blow story, I'm, I'm cool. With that. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm down, man. I, I'm so sorry to disappoint you, but I, was part of probably one of the most boring teams yeah. in all of the So I wish I had some really cool stories like that about like five of the guys that you know were going out raging out. There is compared to that maybe one tame story compared to that. And yeah, I, I was I heard all the stories from all of my other friends that I, you know growing or playing going through levels um, that were with different teams and talking about their experiences, you know, the first time up and all this kind of stuff. And it was rituals associated yes. with, yeah, it was very different on the <laughs> twins, unfortunately, yeah. than, than with them. But <laughs> Hey, you know, such is life. Um, yeah, that is disappointing, but you know, at least, now you can talk about Again, it with your wife. We'll listening. turn off the mics yeah. later. <laughs> oh, are they off right now? Let's get into it. Because <laughs> danger is my middle name. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been so cool. Tell, uh, tell your wife I'm disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't imagine going out. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, most people get fucking freaked out hitting a golf ball in front of four guys, you know, who are waiting on the tee, and you're sitting there and you're fucking. Yeah, I, I can't. Yeah. So, are, are you a stage fright kind of guy? You know what? Not in anything except shit that's athletic. Mm-hmm. See, I had, I had, I had. Here's the deal. Growing up, I had like severe asthma, right? So, to me, doing anything like physical was like literally dancing with what could be a nightmare. I mean, you know, if, if you exerted just a little too much, you'd spend the next six hours wrapped up in blankets with a vomit bucket next to you struggling yeah. to breathe. It's like, you know, it was just terrible. And then yet I still tried to play Little League and things. And my dad was the coach. So it's like, you know, so it's like just how do you fucking not disappoint your father and still not run for that fucking ball because if I run for that fucking ball, I know that I'm going to be gasping for air before the end of the. So did you ever figure out a way to battle your anxiety? No, I didn't play. I started lifting weights because that was <laughs> a lot easier. So mine, mine was. Mm-hmm. So this, is, this is kind of fun. That's why it's, this is the Papa Giorgio sessions. Oh yeah, yeah. So I uh, so growing up in Wisconsin, small bumfuck Wisconsin. Uh, most of the bars, uh, most of the outings, uh, going to a baseball game, a football game, you peed in a big fucking trough. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting and it stunk. A lot of dirty dick grabbing mouth breathers all around me. You know, giant burly fat Wisconsin men, and I just I, I couldn't picture. pee. I'd, I'd, I'd whip the penis out. Wasn't worried about the size of it because I was a young kid. And I'm, I just stand there. And eventually, sometimes I just put it away and walk away. Like I, I still had to pee, but I couldn't do it right then and there. So, Chris Cornell, <laughs> Chris Cornell, for some reason, had a very uh, calming effect on me. So if I stared at something black and I sang "Black Hole Sun," if you could start to pee, I started peeing. I, I figured that out around like 10 or 11, uh, right around coincidentally time of masturbation. But I figured that out, and I still have used it like in weird situations where if somebody's like chirping in my ear, if somebody stinks, like there's so many variables when you mm-hmm. pee in public. Uh, and I've always been a germaphobe as it is. You know, like just the like walking out of the bathroom when you're done is enough because people don't wash their goddamn hands. You know, it's like, uh, uh-huh. it's yeah. a bl- black hole sun. 
Wow. If you ever, if you ever stuck with some stage fright. That's the secret? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll start thinking of that. I will say, so golf. So I had to give up. I played golf. I was never a good golfer, but a fair golfer. But as I said, I used to be a weightlifter, and I, I eventually I blew out my shoulder, and I've had like five shoulder surgeries oh. overall. And a few years ago, I got back into playing golf. And it's a fucking nightmare. I love the sport so much. And and I really want to be good. And I've invested in personal lessons. I can tell you everything I, you should do. My wife do. and I are, are take some right now because I'm, I'm I'm in the same boat. I'm I'm trying to get good. You know because I this is but the you're first an athlete. Time I, I'm sure you're. I'm sure that you walked well, out there. I mean, I, I I can swing proficient, and and this is the reason why we're doing the lessons is is that when I do something wrong, I. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, and so I don't know how to correct it. I, I know I'm doing something wrong, mm-hmm. but I don't – like I said, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. But um, So hopefully it won't take me super long to get decent, and, the, and that, that's about, about all I'm interested in also. It's just get decent. Uh, that's uh, Me too. Just a certain level of confidence that when I walk up and I hit the ball – It'll work. But I've been playing so long and so bad and I have so many different – You know, I lift up to protect the shoulder, all these different things that I do a practice swing or two. But then I walk up to the ball and suddenly all my bad habits come right back yep. and I am just going to fucking hit that off the toe and it's going to go 25 yards mm-hmm. you know, directly. It's, it's, it's a fucking nightmare. And then the next time I hit it and you got a beautiful fucking shot and everybody – and you think you've nailed it and I just can't – I can't get muscle memory to work. It, Golf is psychological and I just have these – so much psychological baggage associated with this sport at this point that I have no idea how to shed it. I got to – I don't know. Maybe I should ask you for a sports psychiatrist, psychologist. I got a very good one that I went to for probably about seven seven or so years starting in college. And um, it, it, it was kind of funny. Your situation – well, maybe your situation turns into mine, but um, it started out talking about stuff on the on the field, but then it was really interesting how um, it quickly flipped to we just started talking about what was going on in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I – you know, in, in hindsight, I'm so glad that I had the opportunity especially to do this for free because I, I don't even know how many tens of thousands of dollars – you know, this mm-hmm. what it costs because this guy costs like, well, last time I, I was talking to him and I asked him because I was thinking about doing some once baseball was done, um, like three fifty an hour kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was it was amazing, and I'm sure everyone's life is 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 somewhat similar. Is that the things that happen in your life, if you're talking about sports, are exactly the same, but it happens every day in your life, and so you don't even think about that you're doing the exact same thing that you're doing when you're playing whatever the sport is. And so that's why we started focusing on those is because I was doing the exact same things. And once I started correcting the things in my life, they were being corrected um, on the field. Just it, They just kind of took care of themselves. So General Fuckery coming over. See, I think I'm more siloed on the fuckery. I think you, might, you might be. I, it, you know, I mean, I, this was also when I was in started, – started when I was in college. So, I mean, we all know that's a huge developmental point in our life so there were there was a lot of kind of side things that i'm sure i was going going through and um you know just figuring out how to try to control your emotions and and all that and it, it's, it's a lot what's this guy's name rick aberman this is a plug that is is not being paid for by the way <laughs> papa He's, giorgio endorses yep. rick aberman you, you even you even write wonderful man beautiful notes to yourself 
He's got the most beautiful handwriting. But like, really? Notes to yourself? Yes. Rick Averman. How else will I remember it? How else will your voice not get high when you say that in in such confidence? (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I'm playing Friday. We need a fourth if you're free at 2 o'clock. I'll have to check. That sounds that sounds interesting. Actually, you, seriously, good bunch, a couple of guys, good guys. Where, where are you guys playing at? Uh, hold on. I was gonna say my in high school because I worked at a golf course. My baseball swing and my my golf swing were so intertwined. I literally like senior year, I switched up to the whirlwind to try to blend them two together. It didn't fucking work. Well, and, <laughs> and that's why I, you know, my because my grandpa was really good at golf and, and played a ton. Um, and he always wanted me to play with him. And my dad, I, I don't remember what age, <clears throat> shut that down because he's like, no. It messes so, your swing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, they don't and work I, together. Like. And I also, I wasn't old enough to be able to mentally separate them. You know, like, right. there, there's a ton of guys in, in the big leagues and, and minor leagues that golf all the time. Well, of course. You're, you're old enough where you, you know swing the, the same way every time. Yeah. But the development, development, developmental years, like, yeah. I yeah. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Stonebrook. You ever played it? I've never played it. Where's that at? It sounds really familiar. No idea. 250, Stonebrook, need a fourth. It's all I now know everything I know. Okay. Hold on. Let me ask the Siri person. Directions to Stonebrook Golf Course. Getting directions to Stonebrook Golf Club. Close enough. All right. It is 20 minutes from here, uh, oh, down 169 bad. South. So is it like Shakopee? Let's see, it's over Valley View Road, following it through, down 494. Jesus, where the hell is it? Yeah, looks like it is... There you go. So south of Chaska. Oh, okay. Yeah. Should be a nice open course, I would think, if it's down there. Yeah. Check your send me Send me a message tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, anyway, so <laughs> here it is. Papa Giorgio is yeah, right? getting uh, some golf options. Yeah, no, that'd be fun. Um, but yeah, but no, my, the golf thing is just, it's just, it's just, it's just nightmarish. It's just nightmarish. The guys we're playing with, one guy's a union negotiator, mm. smart ass, and, but smart guy, but funny yeah, yeah. as fucking hell. And then this giant ogre named Dale Berwanger that I play with. Uh, who's a former chemist who now sells industrial coatings and things. Just hmm. funny guy and a good golfer. Nice fellow. So let me know. All right. I'd ask you, but you never want to go golfing. Dude, I didn't buy golf clubs yet because the summer's been filled with so much goddamn fun. <laughs> yeah, my summer's been filled with golf, so we're having a very different experience. Yeah. All right, let's do segment two. We have radio to produce. All right. <laughs> All right, now this is where you get to uh, dive in a little bit. But as you can see, we get off topic quite often. Yeah. <laughs> I, can see, I can see all these shows go from uh, they're supposed to be an hour to uh, two, three hours. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm sorry. We're doing a bad job especially. No, that's all right. We pick up the pace after uh, the third drink. Bottle's gone. After the bottle's gone, we're done. <laughs> well, no sense to stay here any longer. Drinking the style is now canceled because we are out of booze. I do got a bottle of 120 proof uh, Nav Greek in my car. Which yeah, is just, are we ooh. passing on that? Instant suicide. Yep. Jesus. So I, we, could, we couldn't drink that one straight because that would have killed us all. No. That's yeah. like drinking gasoline. Not even we can do that. You're yeah. exactly right. No. <laughs> that, that's, yeah, that infl- that, that'll ignite, right? Yeah, it will start on fire. Anything mm-hmm. over 100. Yep. Oh, is that what the threshold is? Yeah. Always wondered that. It's a What's lot. that? We used to do a drink when I was younger. It was, it would, I don't remember what it was. It would be in a, in a glass. You'd light it on fire. You'd throw the fist down. You'd lift it up. It would stick to your hand. 
bam, pop off, slam it. Is it like the flaming Dr. Peppers? They, they got better with that drink over the years because it's actually called an Annihilator. Oh, so after you cup it, you pick it up, you suck the fumes. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's called the Annihilator now. Oh, nice. God. Yeah. We're going to have to do that. But you know all that was was a combination of Amaretto, Pablo Di Serrano, uh, and um, uh, uh, Overproof Rum. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Typically 151. It was, it was 151. Yes, yeah. of course it was. They don't, even, it they don't even make that shit anymore. They don't really? make 151 anymore? They stopped making it in the United States for about two years ago. Huh. Monsters. Mike, Mike uh, that owns all the restaurants, he – we had a bottle of liquor and I was like, bro, take that home and put it away somewhere. Because right now, currently, it's anywhere from four to 800 bucks on, on eBay, but that's going to continue to go up. But it can't be really? opened. Yeah. Wow. No. A $12 just... bottle of booze is not worth that much and it's going to keep going. So. Is, is this a uh... – like a, a bootleg operation that we need to start from. I, I wish, but Bacardi cut it off altogether. Oh, they don't even produce it. Yeah, Bacardi One Fifty One. Oh, if you if you do get it, it's it's an old bottle. Interesting. Wow. All well, right. It's like it's not going to freak me out. It's like I had a bottle of Canadian Club that a friend uh, had given me, and it was uh, his dad had been a liquor distributor, and it was from nineteen sixty seven. And still had the stamp on 967. So he gives it to me, and I'm like, you know, it's a fucking Canadian club, which is shit liquor to begin with. But I'm like, you know, dude, that's awesome. What do I do with this? Do I do I save this? Is this something awesome? He's like, uh, it's nothing special. It's just it's just kind of a curiosity. And I'm like, well, in that case, I want to know what it tasted like to have Canadian club in 1967. So I cracked it open and poured it. And I have him over like a week later and talked about it. And he looks at me and goes, you fucking idiot. That's worth like four or $5,000 for that. So suddenly I'm in panic mode because the guy who gave it to me is a dude who would piss that type of thing away. And I'm in total fucking panic mode and I send him a text. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't tell me. You know, all this stuff. And then I find it's worth like a hundred bucks. But that, but again, that's right now. That It just keeps going up. I know, it's true. But now I've tasted Canadian Club from 1967. <laughs> and truthfully, it is a completely different liquor. It is a completely different liquor than a modern. If you when, when I have you out to the district, um, I'll pour you a shot of each, and you can you can see what people valued then and what people value now. Hmm. Then it was a spirit. I mean, it wasn't a ter- great ter- spirit. Turpentine was like the common out, you know, common yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, well, you know, it was a frugal time. You want to take the the the, the stain off your deck and have a drink when you're done. Yeah. One product <laughs> solves both problems. Now it's just a sugary, syrupy, disgusting, repugnant something. They different colors, different everything. Huh. It's weird. Interesting. Indeed. All right, let's do segment two. We've done like six minutes of radio. <laughs> yeah, and you claim we get uh, more productive as the show goes on. <laughs> That's definitely not true. Yeah, the Papa Giorgio segments only get longer, it seems. I know. The <laughs> as Papa- the show goes on, yes. There's nothing wrong with that. So uh, very quickly. So check out the uh, <laughs> the difference in the colors even between the two. Oh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even the old bottle is prettier. Everything was better then. Well, that's not true, but lots of things were. All right, segment two. Segment two. All wait, right. Wait, wait, what year were you born, Greg? 1971. Oh, 71. Okay, I knew it was closer to that. Yeah, now something actually older than me. <laughs> or your wife. Or my wife. Christina's a couple years older than me, actually. She looks better than you, but it's fine. Yeah, she does. She Saved does. it. Sorry, Christina. Papa Giorgio recommends marrying an older woman. Went directly from my mother's teeth to my wife's. <laughs> That's not a lie. <laughs> Got music for us or what? 
The man's a busy man. Letting Papa Giorgio just talk. Good stuff. All right. Here we go, though. All right. And we're going to need more booze. He's out. Oh, are, are we out? He said. All right. I'll take a little more, too, just to delay ourselves. There we go. So I've forgotten your wife's name, by the way. Brandy. Brandy. It was literally, it was right as I was driving over. Is Brandy doing well? Yes, she is. She actually um, is working for my family now, so kind of an interesting turn of events there. Doing what? So my family's company, they do uh, precision centerless grinding. Okay. Um, so basically they take raw steel bars from the mill. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Grind them down. Uh, steel bars are piece parts. Grind them down into very precise sizes and tolerances. So it goes into end product applications. Like um, they will do axles for Articat snowmobiles, um, drive shafts for Toro lawnmowers and snowblowers. Um, they do, uh, let's see what else. The, you know, the lifetime fitness stack weight machines, mm-hmm. the guide rails that are nickel or chrome plated. Those really? have to have a, a, a specific finish on them to take the plating and look good. Okay. Um, they'll do titanium that goes into prosthetics for kids and adults. Oh, this one yeah. was, this one was very yeah. This one I was very disappointed that my brother didn't make a call for me. Um, they were doing I don't know if they still are, but they were doing a bunch uh, or they were doing some piece or a lot of piece parts that were going down to Colombia for fully automatic weapons for Beretta. Oh fuck! Seriously? Yeah. And so I told him I said. Uh, can you just give them a call and see if they can send us one or two or something? <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, well, but none of them speak English. Like, we have to do everything through a translator, like Google Translator. And I'm like, yeah, but just Still. <laughs> just, just ask for me. You know? <laughs> Seriously. Like, Anyone they, do it? <laughs> if we can skirt ATF here. ATF, don't listen to what I'm talking about. Um, but no, so it, it uh, that unfortunately has not happened yet. But uh, so it, it's it's a very... It's a very integral part of society that, that really nobody knows about. And so they, they don't have a, a big business, but it's a nice size. They've got, uh, you know, depending on how busy they are, 15 to 20 employees um, kind of thing. And so, yeah, okay. so she's she's in there working on um, – my mom is completely out, so she's taking over all her duties in, in the office. And she's working on kind of helping taking over my dad and some of my dad's and brother's activities to kind of uh, help my brother out so he can kind of float around and, and do more things. So Cool. Good yeah. for her. Yeah. enjoying it? Yeah. It, it was, you know, coming from the corporate world, it was completely different, but I, I think she's found her stride now, and, and it seems like she's really liking it, and this gives her opportunity to be a decision maker where, you know, uh, being in the corporate world, let's be honest, unless you're in the top, what, five or ten in the company, you really have no say in anything that goes on. That's very true. Very true. All right. Well, I'm glad she's I'm glad she's doing what? To make sure you tell her I say hello. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a delight. All right. Are you ready? Segment two. Yeah. A little interactive on the live feed here. Amy Colliner has stopped in to say hello. <gasps> Amy Colliner. Hi, hon. How are you? Looking forward to my ad. They're working on it. I swear they are working on it right now. <laughs> And then Matt wants to know, not Matt McNeil, another Matt wants to know, is this show pre-recorded? No, we are live. This is just Papa Giorgio right now. <laughs> not pre-recorded. This shit would never be aired twice. <laughs> Next, except on the Papa Giorgio, Drunk After Dark. 
Islet was wondering the same thing. So I think, uh, yes, people are curious about Papa Giorgio. See? Are you, are we, I'm going to expect a full fucking apology. <laughs> full apology. We're right. I was wrong. <laughs> have, you, have you seen uh, National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation? Oh, yeah. Mr. Papa Giorgio, your, your car is ready. Yeah. 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 You yeah. know that, the reference. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is my dream to go into a casino and go, bump, winner, bump, winner, yeah, bump, yeah, yeah, winner, <laughs> bump, winner. It would happen if you were Mr. Papa Giorgio. I know, I know. Maybe I'll have to get the ID made. <laughs> All right. Please be kind. Which excellent. That went well. Yeah. I, I ran perfect. out of time, but I'd like to catch, catch up on what you guys were saying. It's the same thing like if something's wrong with your car. Before you take it to a mechanic, if, if any of your friends has any inkling about what a car is, mm-hmm. they will give you their, their advice. And I'm like, would you just shut the fuck up? Right. There's machines that are going to tell me what exactly is wrong. And typically, you're fucking wrong because yeah. my car's still broke. And I, that is one thing that I try to practice as much as I can in my life is that I try to not give my opinion and unless we're, you know we're talking about politics or whatever that everyone can have their own opinion right. and you're entitled to that but if we're talking about a specific entity if you don't and, know shut the fuck up yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like or if if we're talking about alcohol like i like drinking it i'm right. trying to get and you can have your own opinion mm-hmm. just easy on the facts let's yeah. just, let's ease into it yeah you know yeah. and so yeah i i, I try to do right, that as right. little as possible yeah. which is shrewd which is wise. Yeah. Incidentally, so do you have, by the way, a good seat? Sometimes I wonder why the fuck do I even bother? <laughs> yeah. This is this is as much for me as it is for you. Just it's my it's my blanket. There you of, go. Of the program plan. Did you have a good North Star answer that you want me to hit on guiding philosophy and business, or should we go straight into the? Um, I do you want me to talk about that now, or are we talking about that for the next segment? This is a good business question. So if you've got a good answer, it'd be good to have it on the drink side. So, yeah, I, I've got one that okay. – yeah. Then save it. Save it. Cool. I'm going to hold this shit back. Yeah. And I've also got, by the way, I wound up doing – Do you have an audio log today? I do. I do. Oh. It's semi how, – how, how is it though? I'd rather hear the quote. Uh, the quote – no, you can't get the quote quite yet. You fucked up the quote, didn't you? No, no, no. I got the quote. I, He's got good. about a billion quotes in his head so he can pull it out of that any time. So. I, I, I have got only a couple – and one of my favorites, I'm a car guy, um, and I've got to remember, and this plays in because we're going through Frank Sinatra's catalog, mm-hmm. and um, it's one that when I first read it, I read it, I think, literally 10 times, hoping that it would, it would sink in because now we're talking about cars, and um, I – over the catalog of, of what they produced, I just tend to like Lamborghinis more than Ferraris, Um Mm-hmm. Now, now I know people who have had both may of them. I, may I? May I give you the quote? I, you, you must know. May it. I impress the shit yeah, out yeah. of you? Well, I mean, yeah. Let's hear it. All right, give me one second to work it through. Yep, I have to do it every time. Also, <laughs> okay. Let's see. You get a Ferrari when you want to be somebody. You get a Lamborghini when you are somebody. Very close. All right, now reiterate. Do I ever not impress you? Hold on, I'm not impressed. Reiterate. Yes. So, again, I got to think about this. Um, <laughs> Ferraris are for people who are trying to be somebody. Yes. Lamborghinis are for people who are somebody. Or yes. It, it, it sounds yes. like I'm, I'm, I'm yep. paraphrasing yep. a little yep. bit. Yep. But, um, yeah. It's a and great I, quote. And, and I was like, man, if Frank's saying that, 
must be true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, own either. There's, there's, something, there's something wrong with your Porsche, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking asshole. Yeah, he, yeah. Didn't, he didn't even play with that shit. <laughs> no. That's well, too lowbrow like, for Frank. It's right. a lot like, uh, you know, so, I, so I've got watches. We, we talked about the watches. Oh, things, don't get me going things. on those. And, um, and I, I, have a th- I have a chip on my shoulder about Rolexes. Because to me, you buy a Rolex when you want to impress the people who you shouldn't care about impressing. That's all there is to it. It's that's you know, that's all there is to it. In my opinion, anyway. So here, here, here's where I'm at on Rolex. I'm hoping that my Rolex is is my next purchase, and okay. I've got. Hold on, take it back. Um, <laughs> We're done here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and where I where I'm going, I have my little watch fund, and I've got it in the market right now. And hopefully that when all this settles, it'll appreciate, and I get I get my Rolex because I feel like Rolex is always going to be a staple and mm-hmm. always going to be it's it's like a Mercedes Benz, it's mm-hmm. you know, or, or or BMW or whatever. It's 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 that middle of the road, unbelievably good product. You know, um, nobody else has as good uh, because of the Alchemist has as good of uh, rose gold or yellow gold as them. I mean, their their golds are phenomenal. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. And it doesn't really lose that much value. They can't keep up with production. Everyone in the world wants one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I'm only speaking from the side of uh, you know I'm hoping my next purchase is is an all yellow gold, you know, mm-hmm. presidential. I mean, the, 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 the staple, you know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't really want one of the other ones. And just because for what you get, if you're getting that in a paddock or, you know, um, a Jaeger, any of those other APs, mm-hmm. if you're going with an all gold something, it's double the price. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's a good value, even though we're talking about 40, you know, Thirty to forty thousand dollars. I mean, I hear exactly what you're saying, and and I'm in agreement. And I'm I'm not arguing the mechanics of it. I mean, you know, we can and talk they make about all their own movements too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What we're talking about is the image presentation of the concept. It's tough to disagree with that. Yeah, and that's all I'm talking about. I'm not arguing. I mean, you're exactly right. You are the first person I've ever spoken to who understood actually the materials being used in the case associated with the Rolex, which is a big part of its value because it's got a certain luster that you don't get in, you know, a lot of other. I don't even know the alloy component. I know exactly. Do um, you? They don't. And and here's the other thing. Um I found this out when my dad was buying my mom one. Um we don't need to get in why he was buying it. It was it was a gift. She had helped our family out um, a lot with my with my grandma when my grandma um, was passing away. Um, so my dad wanted to get her a really nice gift. So we went over to Wix and Jewelers. I should probably let them know this on here so they give me a better discount next time I go in there. Um, Tell them to. This is a Papa Giorgio <laughs> segment too. Yes, yes, you should. Um, but my mom had had trouble, and a lot of people I know are allergic to nickel. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of gold is mixed with nickel to bring it down to whatever carat level. Um, Rolex puts platinum in their golds mm-hmm. to give it to that to that same, uh, and, and they don't put any nickel. So it's hypo. Their their metals are hypoallergenic. Interesting. Um, and I actually so, didn't know that. All right. And so that's one of the other reasons why, you know, in those regards, I think they're far better than, than anyone else because they're not putting nickel in. They figured out how to put platinum in and whatever 
uh, elements they're, they're putting in to give, and their gold is so shiny. And it is. So, yeah. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. So, I don't know. Maybe the, the I should year, rethink my. The year was 1997. 19. I was graduating the eighth grade. And my old man, uh, Albanian guy, he's from, from the old country, like gold, everything, Mercedes, everything. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, it was my eighth grade graduation. And keep in mind, at the time, like I had bleach blonde hair, you know, I had eyebrow rings and fucking earrings, but gold was out of style. Everything was sterling silver. Mm hmm. My dad offered me one of his Rolexes, one of his fucking yellow gold Rolexes. I was like, that's ugly. And I, I, I told him I didn't want it to save it. And I never got it again. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That is a shameful fucking story. That is a shameful we, story. We still joke about it because he shows me he's like, I'm never going to be this kid. <laughs> I'm being buried wait, in wait, wait till I die, kid. And it's still not going to you. Yeah. My dad so being funny. an Italian has this big fucking gold... 24 karat nugget from the 80s. They were, you know, nugget style bracelets and things. And uh, and my mother just, you know, they're very concerned nowadays about their, uh, you know, about their estate and who gets what and stuff like that. And she's like, do you want the, the nugget bracelet? And I was thinking, you know, honestly, I don't wear much yellow gold either, but it is such a cool fucking just chunk of metal. Well, and yeah, especially you being in the design industry and everything, mm -hmm. you can put that with an outfit where that's your statement piece. Very true. And, you know, it's depending a pop on... pop of money. Yeah. Well, and, and the clients that you're with, they're going to, especially, you know, people who know what's going on. But I'm an Italian gonna... in Minnesota. Papa I wear Georgia yellow gold. Wear people are going to run see like Papa Giorgio Yes, Papa Giorgio, you're right. But with extra chest there, though. Yeah. Extra chest there. <laughs> Which I have none. I'm the most hairless yeah, fucking you Italian go you'll ever on the shirt there. Yeah, yeah. Ever. It's, I don't complain, but yeah, I mean, seriously, look at that. I figured I'd have a full chest, uh, chest of hair at some point, but instead it's just sparse and now it's going gray. It's just never happened in four Well, I'm sure you can go to the Bosley Hair Clinic and they can figure out a way to <laughs> – Can I get chest plugs? Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe the, African, the, the African black soap is, is not letting you grow as much hair. It could be. Yeah. Are you still using it? Fuck yeah, man. It's great shit. Oh, awesome. But I only, I only use it like once a month because I have other things that I rotate into my, my skin treatment. Fair enough. All right. Segment number three. You ever heard of African black soap, by the way? I have not. It's amazing stuff. Do you have a good skincare reg regimen? You should because you're a fucking Nordic and you're going to look like a saddlebag if you don't take care of your skin. I My my grandma had phenomenal skin and so I I felt like I got a decent amount of that. And my, well, otherwise, Cole, you're going to look like a saddlebag, all right? No, I know. I, I, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Trust me. Trust me. I, Greg, 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 and Greg likes you. Yeah. Imagine what he says to people he's fucking disgusted with. I'm not turning my back on this guy. Yeah. Man, it's true. Nordics don't age well. I love you guys. You're gorgeous, and then suddenly come 45, 50 years old. <laughs> no, I, I, I you really are ready to be set off in a flaming canoe. <laughs> I, I, I know I did some damage in my younger years, especially playing baseball and all uh -huh. that. But yeah, I mean, I've got a face cream that I put on every morning that's got SPF twenty in it, and yeah, uh, it's a good call. You should try the African black soap. It's moisturizing. It's insanely awesome. You can. It's it's hard to find. You can. No, you can. You can on the internet. It's, it's yeah, hard. I guess now you can just find it. Where it looks edible? It, why is it called? Why is it called African black soap? Like, where does it come from? Africa. It is. It is legitimately an African product. Is it like a clay there that they kind mine? of? It's or, like this yeah. mixture of like a lanolin clay. Certain. It looks, like, it looks like black quick crete. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's really bizarre, and you can't really get it wet. 
which is a strange quality in a soap. Yeah. But um, so you can't like leave a chunk in the shower as oh, it comes yeah, out, yeah, out yeah. of the water spray. Yep. Yeah, because it's, it's a natural soap, not a processed soap. Exactly. Yep. But it is amazing and it smells so good. Mm. It's, it's the best stuff. Might have to check that out. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Tell you what, you play golf on Friday, I'll bring you a little tiny chunk. Just the first one's free. A little goes a long way, though. A little goes a long way. <laughs> How are you dealing? <laughs> I know a guy. Wait, wait. I know a guy. So, so is black soap the new word for cocaine? <laughs> that... Let me just put it this way. If I, if you try to snort black soap, I don't think you're going to enjoy it yeah, nearly as much as you're hoping. You're, you're misleading it. you got to smoke it. It's like the bath salt. Oh, black so soap was the next the step. China black tar. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> and people serve as much as drugs are bad kids. Drugs are bad. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Segment number three. We're going to launch with a uh, with a philosophy, um, the and then one. we'll do. Uh, are you enjoy it? Um, yeah, and then we'll just jump into uh, into the art stuff. But I do have long musical notes because it's timely. And mm. your 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 smash wow grass has been very very fun for me too. So it's fun. I've been doing nicely on grass. You like grass, Cole? We're talking about weed or? Uh, no, man. Oh. The, what are you talking about? The Gregory Rich album acquisition scale. You made it up. It, don't, don't be oh, surprised. Okay. You're, not, you're not supposed <laughs> like, to know it. You're not supposed to know it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just getting the double entendre of asking uh, if you like grass. That's it. If you like grass, that's, uh, I, can, I got a guy who also has some black soap. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Brad, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be better at saving me and saving all of us. I'm not saving you, no. Start the music! <laughs> all right. That was fun. That was good. I like that one. Yeah. I, I, being, I like... You were being fed to a fucking lion by yeah. lips. <laughs> Tips happen when I survive, asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 and they know it. Because, I, I mean, that was the other thing that... I think it's so fascinating about going to these third world countries is just kind of finding out what they live on, what, what life is like. Cause it's, it could not be any different than, I mean, e even a, a person who's kind of scraping by in the U S mm -hmm. like it could not be any different. And, you know, um, this is not in Kenya or Tanzania or, you know, these, uh, safari guides, it kind of seems like they're, they're, they're definitely not the upper class, but they're definitely Good, strong, middle of the road, middle class, or mm -hmm. upper middle class mm -hmm. in in these countries, just because of of tips and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But um, when we were in Malawi uh, with our driver, we were hanging out, and he was talking to one of his guy, one of it, two of his buddies, or something. And I, I was taking some shots, and and they saw, and one of his buddies saw my camera. And they like, oh man, that's a nice camera. Um, you know, what does what does that cost? I, I have no idea. And of course, my mind was flashing too. Oh, okay, machete's going to get pulled yep, out right yep, now, exactly. and my arm's going to get chopped off, yeah. and fifty bucks. Yeah, that's <laughs> the correct that answer. Was the answer yeah. So I was. What did you say? Yeah, so I said, and, and the setup that I had on currently um, is is about forty five hundred, okay. um, and I sat there and I was like, oh god, what do I actually tell them? Um, because I think prior to that, 
I had asked our our driver, I said, you know, just out of curiosity, what does an average person make mm-hmm. a year here? And I, and I can't re- remember um, the exact number, and, and there's a, obviously a huge difference between these two. But he said it was something like, um, I think it might have been $300 a year is, is, is what they make. Um, but, you know, but it's an irrelevant number because yeah. $300 there is not how do I live on $300 well, yeah, depends for the on the expense side of the equation. Yeah, right. and, yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I mean, Malawi is one of the most impoverished countries in Africa. So when this guy asked me, I was like, a thousand American dollars, <laughs> and, and, which is three plus years, three, which I mean, that's actually a good answer. Well, and it is enough to kill you over. Well, and, and I wasn't going to tell him forty five hundred, and he goes, yeah. uh, "You're telling me you've got twelve plus years of my." Yeah, I'd probably kill you if yeah. I were him. Hey, Cole, it's a pandemic, and I'm unemployed. You better fight me for this. Which <laughs> <laughs> like some more whiskey? Yes. <laughs> more whiskey, um, Mr. Johnson. You know my answer. I know, right? Yeah. You, were pe- you were hesitating. <laughs> I was confused. We've taken it pretty slow this time. So, what did he say when you told him though that? I mean, well, it's still three years of a salary. Well, or like, a, like the, the two guys were like, "Oh man, wow!" And I was like, "Oh, good thing I dropped it down <laughs> Seriously. by right? sixty yeah. percent, you the know, thing. or whatever." You know, it's perspective. I yeah. mean, it's all a matter of perspective. Like when I go to U- Indonesia, I used to import stuff out of out of Indonesia, and you'd be running through, and there'd be people who have like, I mean, nothing. I mean, you can see they're they're wearing like you know. Rags and 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 yet they still have a uh, higher level of life satisfaction than we do, though. That's the fundamental difference. Well, and what you're talking about with, with rags, this was so funny because um, when we were in Malawi, uh, they had two big markets in Lalongwe, which is the capital, and one was the food market. And I, I always love going to these markets. And I specifically told our driver, I said, I said "Hey, I said please take me these because I I want to see how." Everyone lives and, and interacts because that's why I find the most fascinating. Mm-hmm. And so the food market was great, but then we went over to the um, the clothing market, and a lot of the things that people were selling there, you know, this sounds kind of bad to say, but it's it seemed like clothing that when you give to Goodwill, whatever someone doesn't want there, then put it on the shelf for five or ten years, and then it makes its way over to Malawi. Like that's what so much wow. of the clothing and j- you, yeah, I mean, it, it, it had dates on. You know, some of the stuff had dates on it. Mm-hmm. And then we saw one dude who had, and my wife pointed out, was like, "No way!" Had a twins hat on a twins T shirt, and really? they were the old school logo. So they were from you know the late nineties or something. And see, how does that happen? I mean, it's not being shipped back. There's no way it's being shipped back. But it still winds up. There. I guess maybe overruns and leftovers and. I, I, I literally think it's a situation where goodwill, whatever they can't say or, or sell or wh- whatever the organization is, then they give it to uh, – and I'm making up a name here – an Africa First mm-hmm. organization or something where they, they ship the stuff over. I guess that makes sense. I, I'm, I'm sure something to that effect We well, know that happens. America's third largest export is trash. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Seriously. Really? The third largest export the United States has here, is yeah, garbage. It, yeah. yeah. Or as we prefer to call it, upcycled IKEA goods. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> plug for habitation. Yeah, in the furniture business. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I guess maybe it does make the it does make the the, the run across there because it's and it probably falls into that category. And the other thing that, that they were doing, which blew my mind, I, I 
you know, again, we're from the U.S. I didn't even know this was a thing. When those guys who are selling these clothes in, in the clothing market, when they get the shipment of shoes in or it was, this was shoes specifically, they go down to this dirty river that was down there and there was a bunch of guys down there and they wash the shoes in the river. I mean, they're not fully submerged in them, but they have mm-hmm. scrubs and everything. Mm-hmm. They clean them up mm-hmm. and then dry them off and walk them right up to... And the way they get sold. Yeah. Yeah. And... You know, I I mean, it's just, it's so mind blowing. I know it's a different world. It's, you know, and it, and it's, yeah. I mean, we just don't need all the shit we have. I mean, it's, it's all changing. I don't know. The age of additive manufacturing, 3d printing is going to change everything in a million trillion different ways. When that shirt that you're wearing can be ripped off your body, thrown into a hopper, broken back down into some kind of component part. This is a three two-liter bottles or something. Yeah, right? It, 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 was, it was on the tag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, exactly. And that's going to be the future of everything that, that we have, own, and, and, and do. We're just going to drop it back into a hopper. It's all going to be made of primarily the same goddamn stuff, and then we're going to print out a fresh version of it. Great. I love it. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, here's the problem. The reason that I can hire people, for example, to do, let's just say, furniture delivery is because – not to pick on furniture delivery guys. I mean the top quality people um, – is because they want a pair of – you know Nike Air Jordans. Show you oh. how old I am. Don't don't, don't get me started. I've uh, recently gotten a little too into that. Also, really. All right. Well, but here's the deal. How are we going to incent people to work to do things when they can just print their own version of a Nike Air Jordan? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The entire fundamental basis of our economy is going to be turned upside down in 50 years. That's interesting. Yeah. Right. You're right. Yep. I didn't even think about it from that side. No. You think COVID's a problem? Oh, I got problems for you, baby. And let's not get started about when we no longer are controlling the monetary system and suddenly we have an entire massive federal debt that has to be paid off that we're no longer necessarily running. The monetary system we all just invented out of thin air. Cool. Which it is. The Printomatic, the federal Printomatic 2300. Need another trillion? Yep. And you get a stimulus. Well, and you get a stimulus. That's what's going on. You right get a bailout. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I know. Ah, soon we're Greg. all going to be wearing Different the old Greg. Twins yeah. logo yeah. shirts that are being brought back from Molly. Yeah. <laughs> or, or everyone's going to be wearing Louis stuff that, that, yeah. that, that, that costs two cents, you know, because you can print it off at your house, right? It's Louis, true. Gucci, whatever you want. Uh, all right. Are you ready? We got to do our final sure. segment. Did you read? I was just here, uh, listening to a uh, – I don't remember what podcast it was. But there was a guy in the 70s and 80s who kind of – led the bootlegging of fashion brands um, on Gucci and all this other stuff. And he started coming up with like all these. He would make like sweatsuits, all Gucci label that was not actually created by Gucci. And he was a huge deal. And basically he got sued into oblivion. And then he wound up basically just selling all this shit out of the trunk of his car that he would still have sewn together and, and made. And he was literally just hired by Louis Vuitton. Like 25 years after they drove him out of business, he was just hired to actually create this stuff for them because it had become so popular. No, I I hadn't heard that. And that's really interesting because the one that I think about is um, Dapper Dan. That's the one. Dapper Dan. Yeah. Yes. So, so, I mean, he's got a huge clothing emporium um, and yet he was doing that kind of stuff and – 
and and now yeah he's he's a Gucci ambassador. It is Gucci. You're right. I said yeah. Louis Vuitton. You're right. See, pulling the random shit out of my doesn't always work. But yes, isn't that amazing? Yeah. And I'm always going to feel less than after your excitement of saying the word dapper before the Dan. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm sorry. This, what's that, Mr. Short Newkirk? <laughs> he's he's like got style just coming out of everything. I, I think he's fucking dapper Dan. Yeah, is, is he in Brooklyn? I think he's I in he's remember, in one, but... one one of the boroughs out, okay. out there. And I mean, yeah, he, he's got just this palatial following at, at at this point. But I mean, he's he's. He invented rap style, basically. Yeah, he he completely did, and they but, crushed but now him. He and now he pretty much him. does suits. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's all about the three piece suit, or uh, you wow. know, just all that. I gotta kind of raise stuff. my glass to yeah. you, Cole. Yeah, I get, there, there we go. We're we're clinking through the glass here, the plexi. Dapper Dan. All right, this segment's going out to Dapper Dan. There we go. Uh, next time I'm out in New York, I wouldn't mind a free suit. So, <laughs> yeah, hit it up, hit it up. We'll just cut that piece out. We'll send it to uh, to you, and you can let Dapper Dan <laughs> I can, listen. Forward it to him. <laughs> so when are we scheduling this? All right, segment four. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to talk about? No, I mean I didn't come on here with my own okay. agenda, so. Well, I mean, it's, yeah. I'm glad to have you on the show. And, you know, we want to make it, you know, some some business stuff, some interesting stuff. Yeah, and I, I think I, we've done a good job. I, I mean, what, what's what's planned for the last segment? Uh, last segment is the Habitation Audio Log, which is uh, me just doing some kind of pitch for Habitation yeah, more yeah. or less or of at course. least bring people in. Uh, guest final question is all I actually have in what's this the, what's segment. What's the question? It was DeVries. I didn't like the question. I'm going to change the question. Well, we never did go back to the question that you asked him off air. I did. That's, you're so right. there's still a question in Loom. Which one was that? That was what basically is going through your head when you're walking onto the mound. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, we, we can do that. It, trust me, there is – and there's also nothing that I like to talk about more than travel. So I, I'm – That's how I got into the business, into this business. Did you know that? No. I used to be a corporate guy too, much like Randy. I was, yeah. I was uh, uh, in office and all that other stuff, and I actually hated it. And eventually, Christina, my wife, and I sat down, and we were deciding. She wasn't terribly happy at that time. What do we want to do with our lives? We decided I would go off and do something individual. She would stay corporate. She's a lawyer, so it's a you know her yeah. only alternative would be just hang a shingle, and that wasn't that. Important. And I came up with a list of three things that I enjoyed doing. You've heard the story, I know. Drinking, traveling, and buying shit. Those were the three things that brought me pleasure before I had kids. Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, right? <laughs> right. So, and, then, and then you have a kid and the buying anything pretty much goes off the whole Yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Christina, have you asked for that raise yet? Yeah, I know, yeah. right? So, uh, so yeah, so, so we came with that list and, and, you know, and I said, well, I didn't know how to do drinking as a way of making any money. I've since solved that problem. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But traveling and buying shit was import. And I wound up saying, all right, I will find something to import. And what I happened to come across was a concept for a furniture import. Hmm. And thus, I became a furniture guy. There we go. Wait, how, how old is your kid, by the way? He, 20 months. Is 20 it too months? big for a uh, round crib? 
<laughs> nope. He didn't tell you what the import, first import business was. That no, actually no. was not the first. The well, first the one, the import really mattered. Wait, was, you had something before the crib? Before the crib was Artanis Import Company, which is Sinatra spelled backwards. And we would bring in containers of Indonesian handmade furniture and liquidate it. And we'd do like a two-week cash and carry sale and sell he all He was that always shit going out. out of business basically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's I, I, I what he was. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. But then when Christina got pregnant, we went looking for a crib. We couldn't find cribs we liked and we came across this design for a circular around crib. Hmm. And I said – and it happened that uh, that Casey Kasem's wife, Jean Kasem – remember Casey Kasem? Yeah, top oh, 40? of course. Yeah. Um, she had a round crib company called Little Miss Liberty of Beverly Hills where she made round cribs and then she would traumatize children by like buying like a carousel horse, cutting half of it and putting each half on each side just to make sure that children would wind up as fucked up as she was. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and she had just lost a lawsuit that uh, she was defending the round crib patent and the uh, the court ruled that it was a design and not a function patent. Mm. So as long as you didn't like cut a fucking carousel horse in half and stick half on each side and pretend you were a little Miss Liberty, you could still do a round crib. So I had all these contacts by now in Indonesia. So I said, you know what? Start making me round cribs. This is what I'm going to sell. And thus was born the Mindful Baby Round Crib Company, huh. which did fabulously and very well until the factory burned down and then I had production problems and then of course. fuckery ensued. But it worked wow. good till it didn't. It did. What can I say? I can't be held responsible. All right. Segment number four, the Finn, Elfine. This is amazing. I like documenting my life. If my kids had any interest in me, they would find this valuable. They will eventually mm. when their lives slow down. But right now, they got way too much shit going on, man. Yeah, that's true. I guess. You ever bring that like on an life. infomercial? That just seems like it would be something you would see like on a late night infomercial. The round crib? baby crib. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Like no. A Billy Mays pitching that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you know, because it, it was the be- it's a beautiful concept for two yeah. reasons. One, you increase the gr- the surface area by twenty five percent because you know you basically have the two sides. Yeah. And through that, hmm. and or the uh, the floor space taken up is in- increased by twenty five percent. If you put it in a corner, which is where most people put their cribs, and then that corner is useless or you've got it like bizarrely placed there, yet you're increasing the surface area for the baby by 50%. And then the baby doesn't have to re- – I mean it can roll around. It yeah. has freedom of movement. We used to tell the time at the evenings based on you know the position of the child as oh, funny. Move around. Yeah. So it, I mean, it's a really good design. Their heads huh. can't get stuck in the corner. We could never make any sudden infant death syndrome you know, claims, but – Common sense would say if the kid can't get stuck in a corner, the chances of of it harming itself are greatly reduced. Well, and you know it kind of plays in the thing. You know why they're why tr- all not all but most churches are round, Church. don't you? Churches why? Because the devil can't ever corner you. <laughs> so you know you could have you could have pitched this to the. Uh, not today, Satan. Yep. Not in this crib. So you could pitch this to the church, the church folk, and said, "Hey, you know, Satan, Satan brings his way into the nursery. He can't ever, he can't record this baby." So, so tied into Brett's idea of like late night infomercial and what you just said, 
I think we have to reach out to Gilbert Godfrey oh, and God. and resurf, re, re, resurgence of the Crown Baby Crib. I'm sure he's looking for work. I'm sure he is. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since the Geico duck dropped him, yep. he's got nothing. Yep. We had two unofficial slogans. Mindful Baby Round Crib Company, because you can't put them in drawers. Because that's what people used to do before <laughs> yeah. there were cribs. You would put them in drawers. And uh, Mindful Baby Round Crib Company, made for children by children. Hey. Oh, boy. Jesus. That's a tough <laughs> That's one. where it ended. Burn it down. Yeah, thank God that's gone. Now, it was a great business. It's such a shame. It was such a great product. It really, really was. But what can you do? The gods threw a lightning bolt, and thus you pivot. Yep. You have to. Yeah. You don't like four children by children? You know what? Someday, I, I, I won't Fubu, do it now. I think Fubu already kind of had a... a Trademark that might be infringed with that statement, but Fubu for us, by us, mm. motherfucker. Oh, all right, fair enough. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't mean someday us I'll... by me. It's not awesome. <laughs> yeah, someday I'll tell you the uh, the 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 story of the uh, 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 broken crib mountain, and that's uh, a separate story. Even Papa Giorgio doesn't want to hear this one. <laughs> there you go. Let's do uh, let's do segment four. Cole's a busy man. He's got a family. He's got a child. Mm-hmm. All right. Sounds good. Here we go, guys. You seem pretty calm, actually. Is this all that's left over from – so this is an accurate time? Yep, yeah. We were five seconds over on the last one, so I had to adjust it from two to three. Yep. So Awesome. All right. This is a hard break on this one, correct? What did you do with the last show? Remember we uh, were kind of – we came up to a squeeze on my oh, quote. Oh, you were not going to do a show? No. Nah, I'm sure you figured it out. Don't worry about it. Oh, for, are you talking last weekend? What did I air? No, uh, the show before last week, I ran a little bit over on the hard stop. Doing oh, the I just took it off on one of the other segments, like I'm doing on this one right here. Yeah. Do you got any brothers or sisters? One brother. Blake? Yeah. Your brother's Blake? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. That's funny. In the whole time, I'm thinking, how the fuck do I know that last name? Yeah. No, your, your brother's a good dude. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. How, how do you know him? Uh, from drinking. There we go. Well, <laughs> my my time spent uh, hanging no, out in the North, North Loop. Loop. There yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. of course. He lived down there for a number of years at this point. So. Yeah, no, your brother, your brother's good people. Yeah, it, it's a uh, it's a small community once you get involved yeah. in it down there. Yeah, awesome. Nothing right. bad to say about you, bro. No. <laughs> so on this segment on the countdown, we need about sixty seconds before we uh, we head out. So if if we're running cool. long, I may just hit you on that yeah. one. So I got yeah, time yeah. to do my little cool. close. All right. Johnson? <clears throat> All right, here we go.